I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers, sub-optimal radio on the Grantland Network. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! From the Empathy Road Studios in the crap part of Soho, and from the slightly dodgy end of Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, Rog, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, Dave, I'm missing you. I miss you. I miss you a lot, Rog. What's the weather like in New York? Rainy? Cold? It's beautiful outside. It's a gorgeous it spring day. But I've got Phoenix on my mind, Dave. I'm going to go. You do. To... You're off to Phoenix. I'm off in about an hour and a half. So we're going to race through this. I've, I've been researching Phoenix. It's one of the top per capita cities in America for breast enhancement surgery. Uh huh. Yeah. It's all I know. I'm working. That's it's, a, it. it's a research project still, uh, still in progress. I wonder, do they much like football in Phoenix? Oh, we get some phone calls on our serious show from Phoenix, but you don't really see it as being a, a, a soccer hotbed in the United States. All I can tell you is Mexico are coming into town, so at least for yeah. 24 hours it is. We are filming for this uh, ESPN documentary that I have the honour of, uh, of making following yeah. the US last 100 days before the World Cup. We are filming American Outlaws just coming from all ports into that city. I cannot wait. It's going to be a thronging Caligula-style orgy of soccer. Yeah, soccer. Uh, so, Rod, despite arguably my worst, worst weekend ever, losing to the one team that brings me more pain than any other, uh, <laughs> I've had a pretty great week, Rod. I know. Uh, yeah, you've had one of the highlights of your life this week, David. Life highlight. Well, number one, I was up in Montecito with the kids, staying with my brother. Montecito, just south of Santa Barbara. Oh, I guess it's beautiful. part of Santa Barbara. It is, as my brother says, it's, it's small-town America as invented by Hollywood in the 1920s. It's like, it a, it's like a Richard Scary book come alive. Oh, it's just amazing, Montecito. I mean, it's, I, I cannot quite figure out why I don't live there, and I intend to live there very, very shortly, rather than in the crap part of Soho. Yeah, the crap part of Montecito is probably in the top two zip codes for wealth in the whole of America. It is kind of amazing, and I want to be neighbours with Oprah. Let's yeah. face it. But even better, um, even better than Montecito, Dave. Oh, this is the week in which you were mistaken for... Well, I was mistaken and mistaken aggressively for <laughs> Russell Crowe. And by the way, not for the first time in my life. Now, no. this wasn't quite as good. In Gladiator-era Russell Crowe, I was actually on what undoubtedly was the best day of my life, or maybe second best day of my life after Chelsea winning the Champions League. Uh, or maybe winning the Premier League title in 2004. I can't remember which one. But the, I was mistaken for Russell Crowe during the Gladiator era, which meant a lot more. So Being what, 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 what do they have for the Russell Crowe today? Bloated Russell, uh, the insider, the one where he put on 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the one. No, I think I was mistaken for Noah era, Russell Crowe. And I still like it. I mean, I did go, you know, full disclosure, I immediately went for a very long run as soon as that happened. But I still like being uh, mistaken for a man that hard. A to, man's to man. Me, to, me, to me, you're all, you'll always be sexy, cerebral, master and commander, Captain Russell Crowe. <laughs> oh, and a, bit, and, like and, and a bit of on the spectrum, Russell, in a beautiful mind. Um, I, you showed me also, you emailed me with great giddiness and glee. You showed me uh, a photograph of you aged that looked about 14, 15, with a full... No, I was actually 25, I think. And I emailed you back and I said, oh, my Lord, I had you down as a young... I can't remember. A young Colin Farrell. Wow, really? Yeah. God, I'm all the movie stars right now. 
all the difficult, impossible to work with movie stars is who Dave O looks like. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful, Dave, and I take each one as compliments. But ultimately, when America's a football nation, you will not be able to take a step out of the crap part of Soho without people mobbing you, thinking you're Pepe Mel. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I like Pepe Mel. I love I it. Like Pepe and Mel. I've got to tell you, I'd take fat Russell Crowe, and I'd even take Colin Farrell at his most methy. Because you, know, yeah. you know who I get mistaken for? Who? Well, it's Bob Lee's fault, because he first noticed it. <laughs> the Ukrainian Prime Minister, Arseniy Yatsenyuk. <laughs> but now the Ukrainian Prime Minister for now. I looked him up. He's, it's, it's, in the New York Times, it says he's often known as Rabbit because of an uncanny resemblance to a character in the Soviet cartoon version of Winnie the Pooh. Lanky, bald, and wearing a distinctive pair of eyeglasses, he's a man derided as an uninspiring technician. Story, uh, story of my life, Dave. I long to be David Silver, and I have to settle for Arsene Yatsenyuk. Yeah, there you go. It's, uh, you and so many others. You and so many others, Rog. Uh, a lot to cover on today's pod. Uh, we've got all the Premier League action from this weekend to talk about, Roger. of course, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to uh, save your Ravens and welcome NBA star and massive PSG fan Nicholas uh, Batten to the pod. To preview Chelsea's, uh, hopefully, a slightly better performance over Zlatan and PSG in this week's Champion League quarterfinal. And your Ravens. But now, Rog, we are between 32-38 and 30-38 of the way through the season. The amazing thing, both of those reduce, Rog. That could be 16-19. It could be 15-19. So we're really between 15-19 and 16-19. Can you smell it? Of the way through the season. <laughs> the Premier League's endgame. What an endgame this is. Oh, wheels within wheels, Rog. In many ways, we seem to be regressing in our understanding of what the hell is going on, Rog. Does anyone want to win the Premier League title, Rog, other than Nigel. I don't know, David, because I've got to tell you, the more I watch, the more I feel like Guy Pearce in Memento. I've got no idea of what the hell is going on around me. We've got a great tweet from at Chris Kenrick 12, who said, uh, at Men in Blazers, Chelsea won the league last weekend. Liverpool won the league this weekend. The only thing we know for sure is Arsenal will not win the title. He's quite right. Yeah. Well, there we go. Arsenal are struggling. We'll get to this. Struggling to hang on to uh, fourth place with the resurgent Nigel Roger. I know you don't want to talk about it, but we will. <laughs> We've seen some bizarre results this season. Liverpool lost at Hull, Roger. Man City lost at Cardiff. Sunderland and Villa. Everton uh, lost to uh, Sunderland at home. Arsenal lost to Villa at home on the opening day of the season. Chelsea's, though, away form, Rog. Uh, they lost to Villa and Stoke away. I never thought I'd see worse results than that. But the loss to Palace at the weekend. Uh, it brought me to my knees and not in a praying position uh, like John Terry after that <laughs> own goal. Who saw this coming? I certainly didn't, Rog. A fantastically taken own goal, we have to say. And Rog took absolutely no pleasure from it whatsoever uh, from John Terry's goal. It doomed Chelsea, Rog, as Mourinho castigates his players for going missing. That's the understatement of the year. Oh, how much of a shot was this, Dave? All season you've said that this English Premier League season is a campaign. If that's true, to me, watching this, this was Mourinho's Battle of Kursk. 280 miles southwest of Moscow, and he lost 323 Panther tanks in battle, David. All in one game. Yeah, well, he seems to like the big battles. You know, he likes the, he likes the big ones, the ones that everybody's watching. But he doesn't seem to much like it when he's got to go to uh, Crystal Palace, when he's got to go to 
uh, Aston Villa when he's got to go to Stoke, that horrible, uh, cold, windy uh, loss uh, up at Newcastle. And these ultimately um, are going to be the results that cost Chelsea uh, the Premier League title. I mean, we'll get to that. But in, in terms of the game, to me, not to be hyperbolic, but this wasn't just a win for Palace. This was a win for the force of good, Davey. Yeah, I mean, you could say Chelsea had 67% That's not being hyperbolic. You said Chelsea had 67% of possession, yes. Which I didn't. Yet somehow, Crystal Palace deserved this. I mean, this was Tony Pulis's miracle on ice. TP is a footballing genius. Palace hit the post. They had one definite penalty shout ignored. They ran fearlessly at Terry and Cahill. And when he was called upon, Julian Speroni, a cult hero at Selhurst Park, Absolutely magnificent. But what happened to Chelsea, Dave? Everything that had seemed so great seemed flat. Surely Hazard disinterested, Oscar Feckless. Was this just a matter of an off game or were Chelsea looking ahead to the PSG game? Well, before we get to Chelsea, I mean, I have to say partly because, you know, I have a number of uh, my mates who support Crystal Palace who are listening and they need to hear me say this. Yes, Crystal Palace deserved to win. Crystal Palace paid superb football. I am... Uh, you just see what it means to those fans jumping up and down, uh, chanting at the Chelsea fans, chanting at the Chelsea players, how much it meant for them. It's what, for me, Rog, makes the Premier League the best league in the world. It was absolutely fantastic. And Crystal Palace deserved the result. I'm not sure about their penalty decision, but they deserved the result. They put the ball in the back of the net, and ultimately, football is not about possession, Rog. It's about putting the ball in the back of the net, even if it's done by with the opposing centre-back, and it's about not conceding your own end, which they did very well. Chelsea, yes, Chelsea in the long grass, you know, a note to other Premier League teams and perhaps centrally Parisian teams who are playing Chelsea. Chelsea don't like it in the long grass when the carrot tops are showing. Um, they were short with every pass. They seemed devoid of energy, particularly in the first half. And, you know, they missed, you know, a central midfield for Chelsea of Lampard and Louise. It just lacked the work rate. And the amazing thing, I know on Sirius this morning, uh, Neil Barnett, who we, uh, who, we, who we love, who we follow on the football show every day, made the point that he felt that Crystal Palace had parked the bus. Crystal Palace didn't park the bus remotely, and they got through Chelsea's central midfield again and again and again. Chelsea, I think, missed the work rate. Ramirez, they missed the work rate uh, of John Obi Mikel in there. They missed the work rate of, um, uh, of Willian definitely has been a player who Chelsea have, uh, have missed the last few games. And you're right, devoid. You know, Eden Hazard looked average. He looked like early season Adan Hazard. Shirley looked like, you know, early season uh, Shirley. No longer my favourite German, uh, I would say, after that performance. And but just you, terrible. You, a shocking you, result. You said that Crystal Palace put the ball in the back of the net. The honest truth, to be literal, they, like me, savoured the sight of John Terry, an exquisite finish. I mean, it couldn't have Oh, happened. a fantastic finish. Who beats Czech at the near post off a glancing header? He got, he got up so high You've got to give him credit. He got up so high for it, and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. The face on him when he scored. I mean, it, it's what I imagine it'll look like when he finds out that one of his teammates hit on his wife. I, I just imagined when that goal <laughs> went in, Davo, that huge Crystal Palace friend of ours, friend of the pod, Rebecca Lowe, I just imagined a physically skirtling John Terry... But I also got such pleasure from him lying prostate with his bum in the air. The downward dog has never been more downward doggish, David. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was praying. Who knew he'd converted uh, to his lamb? Oh, cat, cat, yeah, cat, it was cat a great result. Start. I mean, I look, I think the irony is that, you know, 
that is a that is a ball that he could have left, and there's no way that the uh, that Palace would have put that ball in the back of the net in 25 <laughs> tries. But you know what? Good for Palace. They deserve the result, and more than just deserve the result. If you go away on the road in the Premier League and you turn in that kind of performance, you're going to be beaten. And we've seen. A lot of Premier League sides come up trumps. Chelsea have been there in the big games. I still think they'll be very good in the Champions League this year. And certainly against the top seven, I think Chelsea are only behind Man City, the team that are, frankly, better than them and remain better than them in the Premier League. Liverpool have all the momentum. Liverpool have it in their own hands. Manchester City have it in their own hands. Uh, and really, you know, Chelsea are left, you know, ruining these results on the road. Stoke, Villa... Newcastle, and now Palace, yeah, where, uh, where their the, Premier League title has gone. Where the fans spent the last uh, 20 minutes of the game cheering John Terry's touch as if he was their captain leader legend. I loved it. did make me sad to see Fernando Torres finding new ways to display his limp impotency to the world. I mean, Palace, Palace did hold on at you the You know end. what? This is worth it for me on just how happy this is all making you, Rog. <laughs> Palace. It's... I mean, I, I loved them. At the end, they were holding on like Ewoks, the battle for Endor. And then at the end, Jose Mourinho, I don't think now we can win the league. We depend too much on other results. Can you concede the title? You didn't think you had a chance of winning, David. Yeah, well, he did, but you just got to once again take him his word. We weren't good enough to win the title. We weren't ready, and he was right all along. And I think you got to hand it to him now, Rog. <laughs> he loved it. He, in his post-match conference, he coined the word aggressivity, which I love. I don't know what that word means, but I know it's a quality I, I'm severely lacking in. I think the only true emotion that Jose Mourinho has shown all season was when he went all Cruella de Vil on the sweetest-looking ball, ball boy in the whole world. Yeah, I know. Somebody mentioned that to me, but I didn't see it. Tell me what happened. He went over to a young, beautiful-looking, sure to have a future as a male model, a gorgeous little kid, and he wagged his finger at him. He thought he was time-wasting at the end. It's a beautiful photograph. It's on our uh, Tumblr if you want to see it up close. Little kid's face is absolutely filled with fear, and Mourinho explained afterwards that he was telling him that in the past, when ball boys have time-wasted against Chelsea, he means Swansea, Players have beaten them, have kicked them, I think he said. And he was just happily letting the ball boy know that he has no control over his players at all as time runs out. It was a dark and a wonderful public, moment. A public service for the children of <laughs> South London, for the innocent, wonderful children of I, South I, London. I, 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 I would so well. love to see Jose Mourinho record a PSA, The More You Know, on NBC with Jose Mourinho. I have to say, talking about great, wonderful people, Rebecca Lowe, can we get back to her for a second? Her beloved Crystal Palace, long-suffering. But when that final whistle blew, I expected to cut back to studio and see her covered in beer, pie, sweat, her eyeliner running, sleeves ripped off, Kyle Martino's tie wrapped round the head. My God, but professional as she is, she just didn't even blink. She didn't miss a beat. That is world-class broadcasting, David. Yeah, look, and those three points, let's not forget how important those three points are for Palace. Uh, it's lifted them. Five points out of the relegation zone. They've got a game in hand. You've got to think now the chances are they're going to remain safe. And it's a, uh, another season in the Premier League for Crystal Palace. That, uh, and I've got to tell you, on the basis of uh, Saturday's performance, very, very richly deserved. Well done, Palace. For Chelsea, Rog, the question is, is, is there any way back? Obviously, uh, sitting behind, they've, they've got to go to Liverpool. They can certainly ruin Liverpool's chances. You just look at the remaining fixtures... I know Man City have got a tough tie against Nigel that could be a very important result for your boys. And even though it's, 
you know, you can never say it's over in this Premier League season. There could still be so many. The writers of this Premier League season could still have so much narrative to throw at us. But I think you'd have to say that for Chelsea, just like it did for Arsenal last week, their uh, chances of winning the Premier League are done for this season. It's big of you, David. It is big of you. <laughs> uh, by the way, at the other end, uh, Liverpool for Tottenham, nil, Rog. Spurs' brave resistance lasts approximately, I don't know, 100 seconds, 95 to 100 seconds. Tottenham fans left to suffer a second humiliating drubbing at the hands of now top-of-the-table Liverpool Football Club. What is that, 9-0 versus, uh, or 10-0 versus Liverpool this season? Uh, absolutely terrible stuff, Rog. And Liverpool just looking like they can score at will against any team in the Premier League. Can I've got to preface this part of the show with an admission, David. Which as, is? An, as an Everton fan, born and bred... Whenever we talk about Liverpool in 2014, I feel like that story of Balaam in the Bible, the, the prophet who came on a donkey to curse the Israelites, but the, the only words that could come out of his mouth were shearing at a praise. Eight in a row and beaten in 2014. 35 points won from the last 39 available. They are brilliant. They are ruthless. And they play with shock and awe, Davo. But this was a fast start, even by their standards. Vertonghen stumbling over the ball and seeing it bumbled over the line off Kabul. The Tottenham back line, they seem so traumatised by the buzzing presence of Suarez and Sturridge. The only thing they weren't afraid to do was soil themselves before a watching audience of millions, David. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, the uh, phenomenal speed... Phenomenal work rate and phenomenal belief in this team. If momentum is what you're going by, um, they seem to have the momentum, more momentum even than, you know, this, than Manchester City at this point. You know, they seem more potent. They sit only just behind them right now uh, in goal difference, Rog. Um, and a goal difference, frankly, could be what ends up deciding uh, the Premier League title. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the way they move forward with movement, intelligence, confidence, love of the game. I mean, we always talk about Liverpool's pass and move. That's their traditional style of play. This Rodgers play, it's pass, move and smile. They all seem to be absolutely loving every minute on the field. Spurs defended with fear and self-loathing. And you have to think, tactically... They were set out to be slaughtered. Their defensive line was even higher than Vincent Tan's pants. Second goal, Suarez terrifying Kabul again. This time Dawson uh, unable to help cover. He raced forward uh, and then humiliated Loris with a beautiful finish. 29 league goals. He's two away from Ronaldo's Premier League record. You have to think, Davo, Hollywood loves copycat movies. Bridesmaids comes out, becomes massive. And it begets a dozen Xerox bawdy female comedies. How come no other striker has followed Suarez's lead and just bit into Ivanovic, David? <laughs> yeah, I know, you're right. It's such a great point. If you were struggling striker, let's just make up a name, Josie Altador. Wouldn't you, when you play him, just, sorry, mate, I don't mean to hurt you, but oh, just take a chunk out of him. Yeah. You look at uh, Liverpool's April, Rodge, coming up, uh, away at West Ham, uh, away at uh, home against Manchester City, away at Norwich, and then home against Chelsea. Uh, the two home games, of course, are going to set ratings records, I would say, uh, in the Premier League on the 13th and 27th. But it might just be those two away games 
West Ham United, Norwich, Palace on the, on the penultimate day of the season, Newcastle at home on the final day of the season. You just feel like the title is going to come down to those games. Oh, Dave, I feel like you are you're, you're seeing something. I feel like you're feeling something. What are you saying? Twist, turns, boom, patterns. Well, I don't think it's over. I don't think we're going to see anyone end up with maximum points from their final games here. I think there are still going to be drop points. I don't know that there are going to be enough drop points for everybody to get into it, but I don't really see... Look, if Liverpool end up with 18 points in these final six games, you know what? Hats off to them. They will have... I think they'll win it going away. Um, but you feel like there are more points that are going to be dropped. It's going to get a little bit tighter now. You just cannot play to go and put it away. It's trying to put away an opponent. It's very, very difficult to play with that same freedom when every single moment matters. What Liverpool have been doing, Rog, is they've been scoring early goals. And you know my theory. You can score too early, but it is taking a lot of pressure off them, game after game after game. And the one thing you've got to look for Liverpool is without the early goal, what is going to happen to them in these difficult fixtures they've got during squeaky bum time. Particularly now the pressure's on them, now they're front runners. I mean, they, the, the tribute to this Liverpool side is you don't hear talk about one-man team. They've got so many ways to hurt you. And their season's almost got a sense of magical realism. And the most poetical element may be that as United stumble, the team who knocked Liverpool off their perch, it's Liverpool getting back onto that perch with this breathless style that can only be admired and feared. I love all my Liverpool mates that I grew up with, just the emotional experience they're going through, the present glory fusing them to the, the moments of joy from their adolescent wonder years. Watching Rodgers, Dave, walk around Anfield before kickoff, you get the feeling he is sensing his images are soon to be hoisted by Shankly and Paisley in the Liverpool pantheon. When I, when I interviewed him this season, I watched him train at Liverpool at Melwood and I asked him, how does it feel to work in the same environment as the Liverpool greats did? And he made it clear to me that his focus was actually on making his own name. And it seemed superbly overconfident at the time, but it's been turned, I mean, it's been turned out to be incredibly well-placed. How bad has it gotten for Spurs this season? Just one draw against top four teams, seven whippings, two goals scored, 26 conceded. Great tweet from a Spurs fan, Aforich Gerald to Zenit St. Petersburg. He tweeted, can we have AVB back? And Zenit quickly tweeted back, absolutely not. Yeah, it's just so, Rog, do you see them? Right now the bookies still have Man City. But do you, it sounds from what you're saying that you feel it's Liverpool's title. I believe no more definitive declarations should be allowed this season, David. They should be outlawed. But you have to say, if you look at this season and say who's played the best football most consistently, who've drawn the eye? There's only one answer. Well, I mean, certainly late in the season, without a doubt. But there was a terrible spell for Liverpool, uh, you know, before the holidays when they weren't playing very well. Remember, we were getting Liverpool fans calling up into our radio show, calling for Brendan Rodgers' head. It hasn't always been so sunny. But really, since that loss to Chelsea, which frankly was sort of a flattering win for Chelsea anyway, um, Liverpool have played absolutely scintillating football, and you're so right about Brendan Rodgers. This is a man renewed, and what could be his reputation, what could be his legend, is, is quite remarkable. And talking of giant managers, Rog, Arsenal won, Man City won. Arsenal shot at the title, certainly, uh, if it wasn't over already, certainly over now. Only nine points in their last eight league matches. This certainly, though, was a very good point for Arsenal, Rog. Man City... Uh, 
get a point, a valuable point, but their trip to Liverpool April 13th now seems pivotal in the race for the league title. Arguably, this was an even bigger shock than the Crystal Palace win, Dave. Arsenal Football Club played a title contender without leaking six goals, wetting their shorts and begging for mercy. I think, I think this draw might be the apex of the Arsenal season highlight 2013-14 DVD. A big team did bottle themselves, Davo, but it was not Arsenal. Manchester City, oddly passive in the second half, when the opportunity to go top of the table held before them. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And for Arsenal, it's one of those times when, you know, their fans celebrating the draw on Twitter. But I think, actually, the loss of two points there, the loss of that win, has definitely exposed them to potentially missing that trophy uh, from missing Champions League football uh, next season, which we'll get to. We'll, 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 I mean, we'll talk about that. With respect to Arsenal, they let in their, their ritual Harry Carey goal at the beginning. Their full-backs pushed up. They conceded possession. They triggered the counter uh, City. And Arsenal's defence was woefully out of position uh, for David Silva again uh, to be the first-half game-changer, sprightly, inventive, full of cunning. That first half, won and lost in the midfield, it was like not so much men against boys, but watching Yaya Toure dispossess Thomas Rizicki, it's like watching giants against fetuses. Yet City, massive, massive mistake. They failed to score five or six times against Arsenal. And once Arsenal realised that the bare-bottom spanking was not coming, they stopped bending over, they pulled up their pants from around their ankles, and they started to play with optimism. Great goal, great goal. Team tapping the ball around the width of the area, Flamini side-footing it awkwardly home. And I guess there was a silver lining in the dark cloud of a week, the performance for Arsenal. Maybe a little too late. The brutal truth is they've dropped seven points over the past seven days. Yeah, and I think even more so for Arsenal in terms of looking about what they've got to do with this squad and where they've got to be. You know, one win against their four competitors uh, for Champions League football, um, and that is against Liverpool at home, 2-0. Two draws against Chelsea and Man City and losses uh, to all of those teams away from home by many, many, many goals. And that's what Arsenal's got to prove on for next season. By the way, have we not noticed this before, or I haven't? Pellegrini and Arsene Wenger. It was like an open audition for a remake of the Dashiell Hammett classic, The Thin Men. They oh, thin faces, Rog. But by the way, add Tim Sherwood to that mix. <laughs> we have some sensationally thin faces in the Premier League. <sighs> There's no one eating carbs in the Premier League managers. <laughs> Mourinho, by the way, has been carb-loading for everyone uh, based on his size this weekend. But you're really looking at some very thin faces. Uh, talking about thin faces, sad faces, David. What? Manchester United 4, Aston Villa 1. He's got a new summer wardrobe, Rod. Man United silence their own haters, most of whom seem to support Manchester United. The most talked-about flyby is rendered a footnote, Rog, by a Wayne Rooney double as David Moyes prepares for mighty Bayern München by disposing of Aston Villa at Old Trafford. Yeah, but I mean, poor David Moyes. He was, he was dressed in his spring greys and he looked beautiful, but I wondered what he felt like as he tied his tie in the bedroom mirror. He must have felt like he was dressing for his own funeral. There were just so many odd stories that eight security personnel have been dispatched to protect the chosen one sign that hangs over Old Trafford. And of course, Davo, the plane, the wrong one banner, paid for by United fans to fly around the stadium. The last time a plane flying over Manchester made so much news was the Battle of Britain. 684 people died in 1940. 
And even though I tried to like say it was just tabloid gutter, gutter press, as the plane took off and Twitter erupted, I felt as excited as Tattoo on Fantasy Island, David. Yeah, I mean, look, Manchester United looked good in this game, Rog. And this is where, this is the conundrum, I imagine, for Manchester United fans in how to analyse the performance of David Moyes. Are these players not good enough? Are they too old? Are they not a good squad? They certainly didn't look that way on Saturday. They looked really, really good. And it's just tough to understand how this team could be so inconsistent this season. Some people would say they're flat-track bullies. But certainly, they really only have one bad loss against the bottom-of-the-table team all season, and that's against West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, I mean, it was very odd that watching United fans try and work out whether they should stand by the manager or common sense demand he leave. I mean, the majority, the plane actually backfired. The majority summoned an unquestioning loyalty. A Moyes loving ensued. The Stretford end sang to support him. He waved to the crowd. I mean, Villa immediately showed why maybe they should second-guess his appointment. Raphael wants more the gift-giver. I think he's, he looks like a better-looking Di Michelis, handling Villa at free-kick in a dangerous area. Ashley Westwood opened the scoring. But you're right, it was Kagawa who really led the United back. Some tenacious passing. Rooney completely unmarked. But it could have been different, Davo. Benteke missed two great chances. And had he netted one of them, it would have all been a bit more Gwyneth Paltrow sliding doors for David Moyes. Um, <laughs> Matters, Conscious uncoupling. Yeah, yeah. Matter's goal is first for United, the joy, the relief. There's something about Matter I find super comforting. And watching him celebrate that goal, it was like seeing Steve Carell finally do it in the 40-year-old virgin. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a huge amount of relief. Uh, huge game coming up for them, uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, that could be the game that I would say de- decides... Moise's future. Untera Kniesitten, uh, I'm sure they're saying. Our knees are knocking. That's how you say it in German. I will say Kagawa has played Bayern four times. He's won four. But there's a great Steve Coogan interview in the New York Times. He said, Americans are all about success. The British get more pleasure from seeing other people fail and ourselves succeed. And I, I laugh because whatever happens to Everton this season, Manchester United's folly has made this a year to remember. What do you mean, whatever happens to Everton this season? Rog, your own team are contending. They have their best shot in memory at a Champions League place. Fulham 1, Everton 3. Tired, tired Everton, Rog. My God, they were tremendous. Combative Fulham put up a fight, but they remain anchored firmly in last place. Everton's late-season hot streak continues. They win their fifth straight game, Rog. Tired, tired Nigel. For the first time... Since 2002. False hope for Nigel Rodg? I think not. Start dreaming of that Champions League theme, my friend. Dave, this was a tough game. I mean, Fulham are the place where broken toys go to die. Kieran Richardson, Johnny Heitinger, (laughs) Sidwell Reza. They pressed aggressively. It was like watching house-to-house battling, hand-to-hand fighting. Everton were thrown out completely out of rhythm. But in a street fight, who do you want around you, Dave, when the brass knuckles are put on and the pool balls start to fly? Super sub Stephen Naismith, the translucent terror <laughs> of his cloak of invisibility. Five minutes on the field, he made his mark, contributing to his signature goal of ramshackle beauty. Um, Everton couldn't close it out. Fulham almost punished him. Tim Howard was phenomenal. And then on came Aidan McGeady, the Irishman who looks like he was signed from a pub team. I moved into my lucky chair on the right-hand side of the couch, it should be said, to so the two of us. Uh-huh. You know, those are the big changes. Immediate dividends, Morales, full flight, and the Belgian made no mistake. Naismith, 
struck again. And when Naismith scored the third, Davo, the tears, I'll admit, they came and they didn't stop. Five straight wins, I sobbed and sobbed. We're the true little horse, Davo. We're running on empty, but we will not stop. We will never give in. Just pop on the nose bag, the little horse nose bag. Watch us run and run. So, by the way, you've got to say Naismith, certainly the most underrated and underappreciated player in the Premier League, including by, oh, by Nigel's own fans. Crap. Oh, he's proper crap. <laughs> he's so underappreciated. But Everton, you've got to say at this point, they look locks for Europe. I mean, I'm afraid that you're, you're, you've got to root for the Champions League now, because if not, Rog, you're a lock for the Europa all League. All is doomed. If not, all is doomed. You keep telling me that we are going to get into the Champions League, that Arsenal are in a spiral of doom, that uh, AVB predicted, but it's come a year later. I don't believe it, Davo. I don't believe it. You know there's still an active Flat Earth Society. And when you talk about fourth for Everton, you sound like you're a member of that society, Davo. I just can't conceive of it. Me thinking about Europe... For Everton this season, it's like you're asking me to consider space or the infinity, the number infinity. I can't get my head around it. I won't. But you're, but you're four points behind Arsenal, Rog. You've got a game in hand. You play Arsenal. You do stand a fantastic chance of getting into the Champions League. Yeah, but Dave, I've got and to I've got tell Arsenal you, we're, 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 we're playing Fulham, we're 1-0 up, and then on, come, uh, I mean, Ash, uh, on comes Ashkan De Jagger, one of the finest names in the Premier League. If I had a band, that would be the name of our debut album. And he thumped the ball, he yaya toured it past Tim Howard. And I felt numb. I felt, this is how it ends, Dave. This is how it ends. It's like Omar in The Wire. You don't get killed by your nemesis. You get killed by a little kid who just sees you in a corner store. And that's how it's going. It doesn't matter. We may beat Arsenal next weekend. God, please, inshallah. But at the end of the day, we'll lose it somewhere down the line. I have no doubt about it. I have no hope. Get behind your team. Have belief. (laughs) Choose hope, Rog. Choose hope. Um... Uh, the bottom half, I love this part of the rundown where Davo briefly sullies himself at the bottom <laughs> of the table. Um, yeah, looking bad for Fulham, Rog, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Sunderland, Cardiff, looking like we've really got a bottom three, starting to lose touch a little bit with West Bromwich Albion. Classic end to that game against Cardiff, Rog, and amazing scenes. We had scenes at the end against oh, Cardiff. Oh, wonder goal for Malma Fatino, insane two goals in added time. That was a ding-dong battle. We got a great yeah. tweet from Hector Acevedo. He said, does Shahid Khan realise that ending the season in last place is not going to get Fulham the first pick in the draft? <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can imagine Shahid Khan just walking around being like, I want Blake Bortles and I want him now. Oh, Dave, it's time for our guest. It is time to get wise about PSG Chelsea in an objective fashion. Thank God for this bloke. Our guest the starting small forward for the Portland Trailblazers in the NBA, a league he joined in 2008, a native of Lisseur, Basse-Normandie-France. He started his career in the French First Division, was spotted at an exhibition match for European talent, quickly selected by the Trailblazers as a first-round draft pick. Nicolas Stars for the French national team, where he won gold at the FIBA Eurobasket in 2013. He's a massive, massive fan of Cannes Basket Calvados, where he began his basketball career. But he saves his love for the mighty Paris Saint-Germain, who line up against Chelsea in what I think is the most intriguing Champions League quarterfinal matchup 
we're about to witness. We welcome to the pod and say bienvenue to Nicholas Batu. Hi, how are you? Oh, we're delighted to have you, Nicholas. Your team are having a remarkable season, the Trailblazers. They're a little bit like the Belgian of the West Coast Conference, everybody's dark horse. You're having a remarkable year, but watching you, you will miss the versatility. You do it all, blocks, defensive ability, three-point shooting, you can score from close range. What football player is the Nicolas Batum of European soccer? Oh, wow, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, if I could say that my favorite player is on the PSG team is like is uh, Lavezzi. Yeah. So I can say my Lavezzi guy, maybe. Yeah. It all on offense. Because to me, when I watch you, you're like Steven Gerrard in high tops. Uh, a little bit too. Oh, yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, from Liverpool. Yeah. Do you, do you actually play football, Nicholas, or do you just play on EA Sports? Uh, I just play with my friends. I never play with the team or club. I just play outside like my friends and spend so much time there. Uh, you, you, your real love of football lies with PSG. They are a remarkable story. We know them after the Qatari makeover in 2011. But can you describe PSG to us in the bad old days before, uh, before they took over? What were they like then? You know, that was no. We they struggled a little bit, of course, before like all those guys came in and invested the money in the team. But we, we got good players, but we never won the championship. So, of course, like since two years, this is a dream control most of the city for the team. Now they got great players. We signed guys like Thiago Silva, Ibrahimovic. So yeah, now we are one of the best team in Europe in the world. So it's pretty great. I mean, back in the old days, it was like Paris didn't care. They had two groups of fans. There were like far right skinheads. There were. Uh, black and Arab fans who would st- sit in the other stand and they'd just fight each other. But they'd become almost like a luxury brand, like the Lakers, Yankees, Barcelona and United. What is it that you like about them now, Nicholas? I mean, everything changed. I mean, everybody united on the, um, the team. So we know we can do something special. This team can do something special. So that's why the whole city, like, we grew up around this team because they have to put press in the map now. Yeah, I mean, they have such ambition, which is really rare for a French team, right, Nicholas? It is, it is, yes. You know, we, when you have, like, one team, we can, like, dominate for, like, four, five, six in a row. So now we have one, like, in a high level yeah. with Paris. I mean, I, I don't want to offend you, because I never like to offend guests, Nicholas, but Ligue 1 has been a bit of a backwater, a stepping stone for players to Spain or England. What would a win against Chelsea for PSG what would it do it would, for French esteem? I mean, it would be it would be huge. It would be huge for France because we all know Chelsea, the player they have, the coach they have, so the history they have. So that would be huge for for Paris, but for France, for the sports in France. Yeah. I mean, your team is stocked with talent: Thiago Silva, Thiago Motta, Edison Cavani, Blaise Matuidi, Zlatan. Who is the man that you enjoy watching most? I mean, Zatan. Zatan is a guy. He's the man over there. He's the main guy. I mean, everything goes through him. He's a superstar. But we are, we, we have a great team. We have a member of the best defense in the world with Thiago Silva and Maxwell and, and all those guys. So now we, we have a, now we, I mean, I'm probably very really happy with the team. We have a confidence for the next. It's going to be a great battle against Chelsea, but I think we're going to win it. Well, I'm, going to get, I'm going to get a prediction from you before the end, but you've met Zlatan. I've seen you on the field in Paris with Zlatan. What's he really like, Nicholas? I mean, I like his, his great confidence. He knows who we are. He knows who he is. So, uh, 
he knows he's the best. People say he's arrogant or he's thinking that he's pretty much himself too high, but he is one of the best. He's a top five in the world, so that's what I like about him. It, let me ask you, if Lamarcus Aldridge arm wrestled Zlatan, who would you who would you put your money on, Nicholas? Uh, <laughs> uh, I put I put Lamarcus. You got a future in diplomacy, uh, Nicholas. The, the, I love when, when Zlatan was asked by a reporter whether his playing style was Swedish or Yugoslavian, and he answered, "It's Zlatan style," which has become it it, it's become in France. It's become a noun. To Zlatan means to crush. <laughs> He well, did. I mean, he actually did. Sometimes if you do something amazing, you say use that tiny. So, what if if <laughs> if your name was to become a verb, Nicholas? What would batum mean? To batum something. But people say I'm like a I'm a smooth, like a smooth criminal, a smooth guy. So we can like. <laughs> So you can repress this game, this more for my name if you want to. I'm gonna I'm gonna start using that to batum. Don't batum me, man. Um, right. I, I know you've taken a number of your teammates from the NBA to watch Portland Timbers games. Yes. What, what's that experience been like for you and for them? I mean, they don't really know soccer in the U.S., so, so since we have a team, I try to bring them and watch this sport. Cause it's pretty cool. It's really exciting. It was a pretty good team also here in Portland. So now it is, I try to enjoy it. I try to enjoy it. So I, I hope you're going to maybe come Brazil to watch the workout. We never know. We had a, a tweet from one of our listeners, Greg Dandeneur, who asked, can you ask Nicholas to compare the rabid atmosphere of a Timbers game to uh, to a league earn atmosphere? What would you say? I mean, it, it's different. It, it's different because, you no, know, you know, soccer is everything in Europe, in France or Spain or Italy or England, everywhere. It is pretty different, but it's very friendly. It's very friendly in the U.S. and, and this. People, I don't think people like we know the game like we know in Europe. So then we go there like they're curious and they want to learn. It's different. Let me ask you about Europe. I have to ask you about the World Cup. France seems to have an alternating strategy with World Cups. They take one World Cup off. They take a vacation in one World Cup, and then they come back for the next World Cup. Very, very hell bent on winning it. They've got Honduras, Switzerland, and Ecuador in Brazil. What, what are you predicting? Uh, I mean, we have a good team. We have a good team. When we struggled the last couple of years, but the way we played the last couple of months, we, I'm very, very happy. We're confident about it. After what, that's, in, that's in Brazil. Yeah. What are you? What, Brazil, are you what, what are you thinking? Are you sensing a little French run deep into the tournament? We we can do it. We can we can create a surprise cup. I don't think people expect us to do something. So, on that case, you have no pressure. So you can really really, really success and play loose and. And create some surprise because we all know like Spain are the favorites with Germany and Brazil, Argentina, or Portugal. So we can do something behind everything, and and we never know. We never know. Create surprise. Do you know a lot of those guys, Nicholas Ribery? Do you know Ribery? Do you know Benzema? I met them. Yeah, I met them a couple of times. Yeah. So those are guys you believe in? Yeah, I believe in them. No, they're good. They they no, they play the best team in the world. They are one of the best players in the world. So we 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 can do something. Your, yeah. your father's Cameroonian. Do you also feel a tie there, Nicholas? Uh, we have a tough group. <laughs> That's a tough group with, <laughs> with Brazil, Mexico, and and Croatia, I think. So it won't be easy, but like I say, no, one game, we never know what can happen. That's exactly true. There are two <laughs> games in the PSG-Chelsea 
Ty, can we get some predictions for you to wrap up, Nicholas? PSG Chelsea, talk us through how it is going to go in your mind's eye. Well, the first game is in Paris. It's going to be 2-0 from Paris. For Paris, 2-0. The second game in Chelsea, 1-1. <sighs> Nicholas, you are an optimist. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you, inshallah, may your word be absolutely golden. I hope it's absolutely true. And let us wish you and the rest of the Trailblazers Godspeed for the rest of the season. We will be watching with a new passion. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. What a man. What an arm. What an arm. (laughs) What an arm. (laughs) Kill an arm. (laughs) Kill an arm. Uh, Too good. We encourage all fans of uh, of football, especially when they play other American sports. Uh, Rog, onto the Ravens. From Jeff. Leonard, emblazed ones. How does the eternal battle between red and blue get resolved when the player wears a kit of one colour with shoes of the other? See uh, Torres, blue kit, red shoes. Well, obviously it doesn't work very well for him. Uh, your fan, Jeff. You know, I was thinking a lot about the battle between red and blue, Rog, because I see you know, how Chelsea have struggled two weeks in a row uh, against teams that play in claret and blue and in both red and blue, it's very, very difficult. Chelsea in white shirts against the team in red and blue, it just, it messes with the space-time continuum for me. It does. I mean, I don't know, I don't like the multicoloured shoes. John Terry's yellow boots, I just loathe them, Rog. I hate them too, but they're the thing I like most about him. I mean, it is a rare occurrence, Dave, (laughs) it is, and when they do that, the red and the blue shoes, it always reminds me of banana slugs, nature's hermaphrodites, they have both a penis and a genital opening. So that when they have sex, they both fertilize and are also fertilized. The, the genitalia and anus of banana slugs are located in the right side of their heads, David. Something uh, which many Chelsea fans believe they also share in common with Fernando Torres at this point. My God, you are piling on today, Rog. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> giving you just the fact that this that your darkness is giving so you so late. much joy. So I'm late. just going to let you go today. Oh, I'm just going to so let you late, go. Baby. It's just a pain. It's just a pain speaking. Uh, from Eric Porter in San Diego, California. In a rare act of generosity, my six-year-old daughter allowed me to watch the last 20 minutes of the Palace Chelsea match. Following the match, it was naturally time for My Little Pony. It happened to be the inaugural episode. Friendship is magic. And as you are no doubt surely aware, oh yes, I've seen it, the Crystal Princess Palace figured prominently in this episode. Instantly, Crystal Palace became my daughter's favourite Premier League team. Oh, I'm sorry. Tied with dear old dad's Arsenal. This got me thinking, does Crystal Palace realise the marketing power their team has with the four- to eight-year-old demographic? (laughs) Could they combine this with the greatest role model imaginable for girls, Dame Rebecca Lowe? Is there not an inefficiency they could exploit? That's brilliant, Dave. And My Little Pony's got a cult male following, a group who call themselves the Bronies. There's a piece about it. He says they're sensitive young adult men who appreciate the show for its values and comfort. They're men children running from the realities of the recession and the post-9-11 world, taking flight in a fanciful world of ponies. Sound a lot like our listeners, David. Yeah, Crystal Palace, so named, named after the Crystal Palace built for the Great Exhibition, Rog. When was that? At the end of the 19th century? Yeah. And it was built, I believe, in either Hyde Park or Regent's Park. And then they moved the whole Crystal Palace to South London, near to where uh, Selhurst Park is today. And uh, the whole thing burnt down. And, you know, my mum, when she was a little girl, watched Crystal Palace burn down. I hope she can do the same again in the next few weeks. This will be one of the, those uh, police investigations where a tip from an anonymous uh, football broadcaster 40 years after a crime <laughs> ends up incarcerating his own mother. By the way, I do want, I do want a Nickelodeon kids show, a Smurfs kind of thing, 
we could work on it together. David Silva, Santi Cazorla, John Joe Shelby, Leighton Baines, John Flanagan. Tiny sidekicks try and save the day on a bold adventure against a Gargamel-esque Martin Skirtle kind of character. Yeah, that's a very good idea. Very, very good <sighs> idea. Come we'll on, work children. on that. Uh, your weekend looks like this, Rog. Actually, before the weekend, U.S. Men's National Team versus Mexico 2 0 Wednesday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. You will be there, Rog. I will. GFOP's uh, at the game. Come and say hello. Give us a cuddle. Yeah. Newcastle versus... Yeah, you, do, you need a cuddle so much because Everton have so little hope of making the Champions League this oh. season. Uh-huh. Newcastle versus Man United on Saturday, April 15th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, NBC Sports Network. Everton, Nigel versus Arsenal, all Sunday, April 6th. The big one. Uh, oh, that's on NBC Sports Network too. Uh, that's at 8.30 a.m. West Ham versus Liverpool, Sunday, April 6th, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network. That's a big game for Liverpool on the road. At West Ham. Many ways to connect to us. One is our Amazon Emporium, which keeps the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for items, big or small, just click off the Emporium page and Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. In its honor, we've birthed a feature, Emporium Choices of the Week, in which we both post what we're reading, listening to, watching, or using to bathe our children. Rog, what have you put in the Emporium this week? Well, I flew back from, uh, I spent last week with the Brazil team in London, there you hope. And I flew back on Virgin Airlines. And now that Bertie Vokes has joined the U.S. men's national team coaching staff. Yeah, big news. The man nicknamed Der Terrier. Uh, You know I'm fascinated by all things Teutonic. So on the flight back on Virgin, I watched this amazing three-part, four-and-a-half-hour German television series called Generation War. And it's out on DVD on Amazon. It's loosely their band of brothers. It tells the story of the Second World War from a German POV. It's occasionally, I should say, probably too sympathetic. They make the polls look really, really, really bad. Uh, But it was eight years in the making. It was filmed on 150 sets across Germany, Lithuania, and Latvia. And it's just watching it was just a magnificent, thought-provoking experience. I didn't want the flight to end. It's amazing, Rog, because I'm also putting in a uh, series of DVDs available on Amazon uh, with lots and lots of Aryan-looking people in it. It's the bridge, Rog, the original Danish-Swedish version of the series. I think FX make an American version of it. But the original Danish-Swedish series, I know you love crime thrillers, Rog. I, I know you them. like procedural uh, police them. dramas. Joe Nesbitt. The bridge. Or Bradley. Danish-Swedish co-production. Absolutely amazing television. It is amazing television. A beautiful choice, David. Okay. Uh, new listeners, please download our best of album. Uh, it's been top of the comedy charts. Uh, well, certainly was before Christmas. Men in Blazers, unbutton now. That's what I call suboptimal. A commercial message from our overlords at Grantland, Rog. If possible, could you have the guys promote the new podcast channel on YouTube uh, in the upcoming weeks, Men in Blazers? The URL they should mention is youtube.com forward slash or backslash. I don't know. It's the one that's sort of leaning forward, Grantland Podcast. Uh, as always, you can find us at meninblazers.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MC Davis, at Roger Bennett, at Men in Blazers, which is usually at Roger Bennett. You Nonsense. can like us on Facebook. Email us, meninblazers at gmail.com. Send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. Vendorpunkt, <sighs> Rog. War pig! Who wants to sex Mutombo? Feral donkeys. Courage. Size the day, America. Is that your analysis? Oh, Kung Fu fighting, Dave. I love you. Well done, Palace. I'm sorry. You're a big man, David. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, 
Subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcast.